the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them and they were very many on the surface of the valley and they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord, God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh, dry bone, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as he commanded me and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling. The bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and behold the sinews were on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to the breath come from the four winds O breath and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. I've spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Well, thank you, T.A. You know, the other week I began to notice change. I began to find myself becoming a bit more irritable. Can you believe it? Uh, I began to find that I was losing my patience quickly, that I was losing my temper quickly, and I just had an apathy about all the tasks that were in front of me. And I just wondered what is going on here? And as I pondered it, I just realised that after nine or ten weeks of lockdown, uh, both the monotony of the situation 
And just all the changes that had happened in a short period of time were beginning to catch up with me. In fact, they'd probably been just slowly chipping away at me and it had left me feeling a bit dry. I wonder if you can relate to that. This has been an overwhelming time of change and we have another period of change in front of us. Another period of adjustment as society slowly creeps back into action again and begins to open up. And we may have some joys, some joys of seeing loved ones again that we haven't seen. But that's going to be mixed with pain of not being able to be together fully yet in the normal way. For some of us, we feel joy at life beginning to open up again, perhaps work resuming, uh, shops opening, more freedom of movement. But I'm sure there's others of us who are, are feeling just a bit apprehensive, just about re-engaging with life or, or just coping with change. Still others of us are still shielding and as we begin to watch other people's lives beginning to resume, uh, perhaps we feel a bit of hurt and pain in our own life. What a mixture of emotions we have all been dealing with. And so this Pentecost Sunday, I, I want to encourage you and I want to speak about sustaining our spirituality and things that we can do when we find ourselves spiritually dry. In the verses that Thierry helpfully brought to life for us, Ezekiel is transported to this valley which is filled with bones, bleached by the sun. What a strange sight that it must be to our, our modern eyes. In order to understand this vision, we need to know that in biblical times that when an army was defeated in battle, the slain enemy would often be left for dead without any proper burial, only their valuables stripped from them. And so you can imagine a battlefield where the enemy has been wiped out, perhaps thousands of men. And they're just left there, disturbed only in time by wild animals. And you can imagine how this vision of a valley of dry bones was not just an abstract idea. These are scenes that people might literally stumble across. Well, this vision of a valley of dry bones is meant to be symbolic both for Ezekiel and also for us this morning. It's a picture, firstly, of the spiritual state of the nation of Israel at this time when God is speaking to Ezekiel. You know, the nation of Israel at that time was finding themselves in a national crisis. They were in exile, the population captured and carried off into a foreign land. This was a time of deep anguish and mourning among the nation of Israel. The population and life as they knew it had ceased and they were separated from the land that they loved. And as you read through scripture and other uh, works of literature, uh, you discover that this was a time of deep lament and deep sorrow in the nation. 
And that emotional pain that people felt was often pictured in physical weariness. They would use phrases like, my strength fails because of my misery and my bones waste away. Look at verse 11 where God tells Ezekiel, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is gone and we are cut off. We know in our own lives uh, that there are different aspects to life uh, that are often interconnected. Uh, we think about our physical, our emotional, our mental uh, and spiritual well-being. And I guess we could add into that some sort of social well-being as well. That's something that's been at the forefront in recent weeks as we've been disconnected from one another uh, and the toll that that takes. And we know in our lives that when we're feeling down in one area of life, it can affect everything. Uh, perhaps you're feeling down emotionally and therefore you lack energy physically. And then apathy can set in spiritually and all of it culminates sometimes to affect our mental health, something that's been spoken about a lot. Sometimes the biggest battle of physical health problems can actually be in the mind and just feeling down about the fact that we can't do what we once did or holding fears and anxieties about the future. And we need to be honest and say that these things can also affect our walk with God as well. And we can feel emotionally out of kilter. The point I'm trying to make is this. It's a simple one. That our spirituality is not disconnected from the rest of our lives. And as life has its ups and downs, so we find spiritually that there are seasons where we are thriving and there can be seasons when we are struggling and that is natural for us all. And so here we have our story and we have this valley of dry bones. It's meant to be a picture of devastation and desperation. And the conclusion that one is meant to draw from looking at this scene is that all hope is gone. This vision is a, a spiritual analogy. It's a physical picture of an inward reality. It's a picture of the spiritual state of these people at the time. And we note that these were the people of faith. These were the people who had known God. They'd known God at work in their lives and in their nation in powerful ways. And yet through life and wrong choices and circumstances, that spiritual life has just been sucked from them. And they find themselves in a place where they are almost spiritually dead. And we know that that can happen to all of us. In fact, it does happen to all of us. Perhaps we don't get to that stage of complete spiritual dehydration, but all of us know dry periods in our spiritual lives. 
We might not lose our salvation. That is secured if we made a genuine profession of faith. But to all extent and purposes, we can find ourselves in a place where we are spiritually dead. And that can lead to us feeling stuck. We can feel, is there a way back to God or not? Perhaps it's difficult to see how our spiritual lives could be revived again. And perhaps we watch on with friends or family members who are struggling, who have become far from God, and we wonder, is there any way back for them? That's the question that this passage poses for us, uh, both as individuals but also at a national level. Will these bones ever live again? It's an apt question this Pentecost Sunday. If we are to be the church, to be the people of God, men and women and children whose lives are centred around Jesus, then we need to retain that connection with God. We know in our own lives that we give out of the well that we draw from. And when that well runs dry, well, it's hard. Hard to point others towards that living water which we have received. Ezekiel is asked this very question by God. God asks him, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel replies, sovereign Lord, you alone no. We note that this scene in this valley does not just contain one set of bones, but it's filled with many sets of bones, each one representing a life. It's a picture of a national spiritual crisis. And we look at our own country of Scotland, a country that was known in the past as the land of the book, a place of great faith and missionary endeavour, a place where the Bible was upheld uh, and from Scotland taught around the world. But in recent decades it seems as if a spiritual dryness has set in. It seems as if we as a nation are far from God and our question is will these bones live again? Can this nation of Scotland ever be revived again for Jesus? And the gospel. Well often in order for a nation to be revived first of all the church needs to be revived. And God asks this question can these bones live and he asks the question not because he is stumped and not because he doesn't know the answer but he asks the question in order to get us to think and in order to provoke our thought. And here he asks Ezekiel the question, can these bones live? And of course the natural answer based on the evidence is no way. It's not possible. Imagine that you are first on the scene of an accident and you see somebody lying motionless on the ground. And if you saw that, you'd probably think there's still hope. You might try to do a little CPR and try to revive the person. 
But if you arrived on a scene and you saw a skeleton lying in the road, you wouldn't consider giving it mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. You think it's just a pile of dead bones. There is no hope. But Ezekiel is curious. And he gives a diplomatic answer. He says, Lord, you alone know. He doesn't close himself off completely to the possibility that perhaps God can work. And look what happens next. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hands up if in your head you're singing that song, you know it. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Now hear the word of the Lord. You know, preaching to dry bones would seem like a waste of time. But here God points us firstly to the incredible power of his word. You know, a week or so ago when I was feeling irritable, when my patience had gone, when I was just feeling a bit dry and worn out, I stumbled across an app on my phone which has blessed my soul. And I've been telling everyone about it. You can get a limited version on your phone or, or tablet for free. Uh, I've enjoyed it so much that I've paid for an annual subscription. It's usually $30 a year. Uh, I find it uh, discounted for $20 a year. And, uh, you know, I've been managing to save some money during lockdown and not going out so much and not buying all those coffees. And I thought, I'm just going to invest uh, this money in this app. And so the app is called Dwell, Dwell. And I want to commend it to you. Basically, the app lets you listen to God's word, set to your choice of ambient music or perhaps hymns played quietly in the background while it reads God's word to you. Now, don't think about those early versions of the audio Bibles, which were sometimes hard work and less than helpful. This is on a different level. And you can choose to listen to portions of Scripture, like the Psalms, or listen to, for instance, all the verses in the Bible that are grouped together, which speak of God's love, or other themes like giving thanks to God so that you can meditate on that. Or you can listen to whole books of the Bible. The other day I was out for a walk along the Kelvin River uh, and I just uh, put it on and, and listened to it for a couple of hours uh, and listened to the whole of the book of Proverbs. Uh, the day after that I was out for, for a walk and I listened uh, to the whole book of, of Hebrews. And it's not hard work. Uh, the idea is not that you intentionally have to listen and tune in to every word spoken uh, and you have to concentrate hard uh, on what it says. Rather it's just this practice of allowing the word of God to wash over you, to put it on like you would uh, music in the background and you feel and you find that uh, certain phrases, certain verses will just jump out at you uh, and penetrate your heart and mind and soul 
It's very easy listening and it just ministers to you. And you can choose your choice of music and you can also choose who reads it to you. Uh, people like David Sushi, that well-known actor uh, who played Poirot and other roles, uh, and a man of faith. Or my favourite, which is Felix, who is a, an East African brother who has the most warm and encouraging voice. And I promise you, once you have listened to a few tracks of scripture read over you by Felix with this ambient music playing in the background, it will do wonders for your soul. And so the app is called Dwell. I recommend it to you as a means of letting the word of God dwell in you richly and just in a helpful, accessible way to draw you into the presence of God that you might spend some time just dwelling with him and being ministered to. And so here is God and he tells Ezekiel, speak the word of God. And as he does so, there is this noise, this rattling sound. And the bones start coming together and joining bone to bone. And then the tendons and the flesh appear on them. And then skin covers them. Amazing. Imagine this prophet standing in this valley, ankle deep in the sea of bones. And then he begins to speak the word of God. And these bones start reconnecting. And then the sinew and the tendons take their place. God bringing order out of chaos. And then the skin covers it. Until Ezekiel is faced with this army of people. Incredible. But there is still one thing missing. And that is breath. On the outside everything looks as it should but inwardly, something is missing. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. And they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach. And it is spoken of several times in this passage. It talks about the spirit, about the wind, about the breath of life. Can these bones live? No. Can these bones live on their own? The answer is no. But who can come and to breathe life into them again? Well, the answer is Yahweh. It is God as he sends his Holy Spirit, the breath of life, to resurrect them. John Stott says this about God's Spirit. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church is dead without the Spirit. You know, that's what we celebrate this morning at Pentecost. The Spirit of God, the power of God filling the church. This passage is all about the power of God's Word and the power of God's Spirit working together to revive. 
And I believe that this is the key to spiritual revival in our lives, in the church and in our nation. At Pentecost, when they received the Spirit, they preached the Word of God. In Joshua chapter 1, as he is installed as leader after taking over from Moses, God says this to him in verse 7 to 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here Joshua is given the key to success. And it relies on two things. Firstly, meditating on the word of God. Letting it fill his heart and mind and soul so that it will dwell within him richly. And then as he meditates on it, so he is to speak it out and he is also to live it out. He is to obey it. That is a sign of a life filled with the word of God. But then there is a second thing that is spoken of here. A promise from God that God will be with Joshua wherever Joshua goes. That Joshua is not alone. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, only the great leaders like Joshua got that promise of the Spirit. But God says in the latter days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And that's what we celebrate this morning at Pentecost. We can know the Holy Spirit within our lives. We can know that reviving, renewing, refreshing, empowering work of the Spirit in our lives. And as God comes in our story, in word and in spirit, so this vast expanse of dry bones becomes this vast army ready to serve the Lord. An army for God, a people for God, set apart for him. It's a picture of what can be. It's a picture of transformation. It's a picture of restoration and of God doing a new work within his people again. And note that as that spiritual side of life falls into place again, God says this in the verses. My spirit will live in you and I will resettle you in the land. The story is a holistic picture of God restoring everything. A reminder again of how the different parts of our lives are interconnected. Not just personally, 
but also at a national level as well. And often when we put the spiritual side of life in its rightful place, so then it brings healing and shalom and peace and order to other parts of life also. As we end, some of us are feeling spiritually dry this morning. Some of us might even be spiritually dead. Hear the word of God again. Let the word of God dwell within you again. Invite the Holy Spirit as well to come and to do a new work within you. You know, times of crisis like the one we have been going through or the one that Israel went through are placed in our lives firstly to break something within us to break our self-sufficiency, to expose weaknesses within us, to show us how we have wandered from God. But they are also placed in our lives to be times of renewal and times of restoration, that in seeing afresh our weakness, that we might throw ourselves on God again and invite him to come and to do a new work in us. We as a nation need a fresh work of God. But revival has always started with the church. We think about times like the Lewis revival. As people came before God and just repented and prayed to God and asked him to move afresh. And as that happened within the church, so it spread across the island. And this church and this nation needs to rediscover again the power of the Spirit. And the power of the word. You know within the church there has been this great divide. There are denominations that are built on their love of the word. And there are denominations that are built on their love of the spirit. But finding churches that fully embrace both is hard. But I believe there is a tremendous power when churches live and worship in spirit and in truth where word and spirit are fully embraced where God's people daily are praying for a fresh filling of the spirit that they would be fully alive in Christ and where God's people are also praying that the word of God his truth would also fill their lives and fill the church that both spirit and word would dwell in the hearts of God's people. When we get to that point, that's an exciting place to be. Show me a Christian filled with the spirit and filled with the word. And I'll show you a mighty man or woman of God. Show me a church that is filled with the spirit and filled with the word. And I will show you a church that is alive. And our prayer over the city of Glasgow would be that it would flourish again by the preaching of his word and the praising of his name. That the city of Glasgow and the nation of Scotland might be called back to God as God's word is preached. And like the Canvas Lang revival in the 18th century, that as the word is preached, that it might be accompanied by a mighty work of God's Spirit and many in our city 
we've come to faith. So our prayer this morning is this, that God would revive, that God would revive our nation, yes, but firstly that he would revive the church and that means reviving us where we are dry and weary. As we close, let's listen to this song. Invite the Holy Spirit to take that which is dry within us and bring it to life. And let's pray that we would have a fresh hunger, a fresh desperation to know God and his spirit at work in our lives and to know his word that sustains us, that it might truly dwell in our hearts. Let's invite him afresh to come and to do a new work within us that we might receive from him. Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs>